guys. Welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, um, and I'm joined as ever by my partner in crime, MK. Hello there. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm amazing, just because you forgot that time zones were a thing. I know. <laughs> and you were like, why are you awake so early? And I was like, it's noon. Uh, in case you guys can't tell, um, New York headquarters is spending the week in California, so I'm currently, I guess, temporarily San Francisco Bay Area headquarters. Yeah. 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 Most importantly, I'm going to a robot rumble this afternoon, so everything is awesome. It is awesome. You know what? Honestly, other than, uh, God, what's that show that, like, got Grant Imahara his new job? Uh, what? You know, oh, BattleBots? That wasn't a show. Okay, whatever. His, he is, he's like an amazing BattleBot tour, yes. Right. No, they broadcasted on Discovery Channel here, and that's where Jamie from Mythbusters found him and offered him the Mythbusters job. You do know that, like, Grant's robot, like, beat the shit out of Jamie's at, like, a couple of rumbles. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. times. At any rate, other than BattleBots, I didn't think that those things were actually a thing. Like, they are a huge thing. When you wrote about it in Nothing Can Possibly Go Wrong, I seriously thought that you were just like, wouldn't this be awesome? <laughs> it is awesome and everyone should look into it they're actually really cool and they are all over the country not all of them are kind of like is i would say like the one that's in nothing can possibly go wrong is sort of seedy it's very like <laughs> that's very kind of like underground mma like battle bot murder that story um when you actually do the robotic circuit like i'm going to robo games um in the san mateo county fairgrounds today which i'm so excited about um but typically speaking there are battle rounds there and they're different categories the same way that you have like with boxing um but there's also like just generally neat stuff like there's certain they're like art categories they're sort of like achievement categories like there's um there's like uh there's like automatic car stuff at this one too there's just like a lot of interesting stuff that happens at these and i think the particular reason i like them is that as long as you have like a dream and a welder like you can participate do you know what i mean like it's just anyone who is interested and intrigued by the technology and sort of like willing to put in the elbow grease can be involved and i find that really really fun plus i just really like robots probably way more than i should be admitting on the record (laughs) i was gonna say what you really mean is you just have a big heart on for robots. I have, like, the worst boner. I have, like, the worst robe boner. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Good job. A plus me. <laughs> A plus. Um, um, but what was our actual topic for this weekend, okay? We were going to do tropes. We were going to do tropes because we did tropes one time and people went bananas over them. Yeah, apparently you guys really liked these, well, just tropes. Which, Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I like them. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, I like... You know what? If there were, like, a subcategory of fanfiction, like, if you divided fanfiction the way you do the literary world, the stuff that I like in fanfiction is, like, ultra-trashy and full of tropes. Yes. I'm yes, like, it just is. keep bringing it down another level. That's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> like, as low as you could get on the literary scale, I'm like, yes. No, stop it. That's too classy. There's a real plot. No. <laughs> Whoa, this plot is way too involved. Why does this emotional development seem convincing? I don't want any of that. <laughs> no, okay. I did read some stuff actually earlier this week that I was like, 
you know, the tropes in this were amazing, but they kind of lost the actual plot. And then I was like, oh God, did I just get distracted because the plot failed? Yes. Yes. You've been hanging out with me too much. Way too much. (laughs) You've affected me in bad ways. I have. I've affected you in positive ways that you interpret as bad ways, which I think just says it all, doesn't it? I like to live bad. Yeah, clearly. All right. (laughs) Do we want to get this ball rolling? (laughs) Do we want to get this ball pause? Rolling? You just want to get this testes going? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. So the first question we got in was from Nunslinger. And she says, I want you to, or she or he says, I want you to talk about hooker and client fall in love, but I'm sure I will be sad if there are no sex workers, ex-sex workers involved. Though I will say, speaking as a sex worker, some of the only hooker fic I found not crazy problematic was that one of yours where Dean was an ex-hooker. Anyway, trope for thought. Um, So she's referring to the girlfriend experience where there are passing references within the body of the text, which the main plot is not about this, um, about his past in being a sex worker um not in any sort of formalized way but just in the sense that like it's probably easier to suck someone's dick for a 50 than it is to like get a job when you're like a homeless drifter essentially yeah especially if you're pretty um i i think we've talked a little bit about this before but i think it's worth revisiting like sex worker um hooker and client fall in love is such a problematic trope for me yeah no we've talked about there's a lot of issues when you do it because uh i find that it's overly romanticized yeah but see here's the thing like we've talked about this before and my entire thing is when people try to like I think that when people try to inject a level of reality into it, because you're going to do it wrong. Like there's no way you're going to get it correct. So if you're going to write this trope, just go full on like ridiculous, inaccurate flaw with it. So that people who are reading this, who do have a taste of the reality or like are aware of the actual circumstances of the thing can just be like, well, I'm going to disengage my brain and just enjoy the sort of like overarching tropes of it without having to examine it in more detail. Yeah, I would say you have to either go full crazy, like, bring on the Harlequin, or you have to, like, there's the the problem with going not far enough, or having it just a little bit. Yeah. So you either need, like, the middle ground is really hard to reach. Like, if you can do it, great, but if you can't, just go full crazy. I feel like this is going to be advice that's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Almost certainly. (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel the other thing is, is that... I mean, once you start getting into this topic, there's so many, like, we could talk for hours. And I think I actually volunteered, but like, if someone wants to have a discussion about this at some point, like, sure, we could do it. I did get like one email as a follow up to that, which I was like, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) (laughs) You saw this email, right? It was, it was a, a listener had like heard my sort of invitation to have this discussion and was like, I have all these questions and thoughts and things. I don't think I even actually responded to it because I was like... I feel like this is the beginning of a seminar that I'm not equipped to lead. Yeah, I was going to say what it was. You basically made the offer and hadn't really thought it through because uh, knowing you as I do, you could talk about this for like eight days. Yes, I could. Um, but you also don't have time to talk about it for eight days. So I also um, think it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's better. It's like a conversation that's probably better held face to face because there's so many like nuances to it. But there's, there's that, and it's almost like you should do the reading first, right? Like, yeah, there's like a lot of there's a lot of information out there. I mean, like I think a baseline resource if anyone is really curious about this, um, 
Like, go to the State Department website. They release a human trafficking report every year, which is weirdly one of the only things George Bush ever did well, was care about human trafficking. And in case you're wondering how that is relevant at all, um, a lot of the people who are being prostituted on the streets right now are not actually their their own volition, right? There are a lot of runaway kids who get picked up by pimps or whatever, like at bus stations or blah. There's like a reason that the term incest is boot camp for prostitution exists in the industry. So go to the State Department website, look for the human trafficking report. It's going to give you a lot of interesting details on lots of background. But that's like only half the story, right? Like hey. half the big art. That's only like half the big debate is whether or not sex work should be legalized like that's something that I'm not like I know a lot about it I still don't know that I know a good answer for it there are good arguments for and against so like if you try to make it realistic you end up like veering into that territory where you have to like have this whole like sort of come to Jesus moment with yourself but if you just go like yeah whatever like you can just have fun with the trope without having to think about it too much yeah okay Um, any vomit (laughs) information vomit info vomit Our next question is from Rob. And is this, like, only the second question we've ever gotten from a male listener? I don't know if Rob is a male listener. Yeah, good point. So we don't know. But if it is, I'm excited. So this is from Rob slash slash procedural. And he says... uh, Or she says. Or she says. They say. Because we should have that in English. Uh, I'm the kind of person who loves tropes. Many, many tropes. I am weak to multitudes of tropes. There's so much fic I will read even if it's terrible. Hey, look, it's your soulmate. Shut up. But I was recently surprised to learn that I am weak to the bet trope. Basically, character A is bullied into a bet with whoever that he or she has to make character B fall in love slash date slash sleep with him or her. Eventually, character A and B both fall in love with each other, but the truth of the bet comes out and it all goes horribly wrong. At least until enough groveling has occurred for a palatable happy ending to take place. Yay! Seriously, the fic I read was not good. But I was falling all over myself anyway while reading it. I just did not know that about myself until I was reading the fic, The Joys of Small Fandoms. What do you guys think of this trope? Love it or hate it? Uh, so I... I don't know, like, weirdly, I don't even know if this is, like, a trope. It's so specific. I've seen it happen a lot, though, and I hate it. <laughs> it's it's one of those, like, uh, it's just too mean, originally, it's and so I'm like... Yeah. If someone originally is that mean, even if they're, like, bullied into this bet, I'm like, you should be able to stand up and say, like, no, that's unacceptable. I don't think that, for me, it would be implausible. Like, if, if this ever happened to me, if I were the person who the bet had been made about and I found out about it, I could never fall in love with that person. And I would probably want to, like, murder them and never see them again. Like, <laughs> I think the other, like, in addition to it being mean, I think the reason that this thing, I, also, I really dislike this as well. Um, I think the reason this doesn't appeal to me is because it's so juvenile. Like, yeah. everything about this bet story screams high school. Like, there is no other plausible context in which this would happen, right? Like, in middle school, you're not old enough to actually pull this off. In college, like, God willing, like, I would hope that you're too mature for this. As, like, a grown-ass person, you would never fucking do this because, like, unless you were a douchebag with a capital D, you know? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't fall within the parameters of behavior that I'm interested or seems plausible for any of the characters I'm interested in to engage in. So, it's, like, the same way that they're, like, a certain genre of teen movies that, like, I liked very briefly and then rapidly grew out of. Yeah, there's, like, one year where you, like... It's like a teen movie that's very close to this, right? Yeah. I forget what it's called, but it's starring Freddie Prince Jr., I think. And I yeah. remember being like, this blows. 
Yeah, no, agree. Um, uh, the rest of the question. Yeah. Other tropes I'd be super pleased if you got around to mentioning. Vampire AUs, cop detective AUs, case fic, hurt comfort, self-insert, and or original characters, and how fucking sexist is it that the usage of the, is the usage of the term Mary Sue, right? Oh. Okay. Uh, so let's start in order. Vampire AUs. Hate them with every fiber of my being. Like if no one ever wrote another fucking vampire story for the rest of humanity. <laughs> That would still be too, like, little for me. If we could, like, eradicate. I just don't like vampire stories. You know what? I hate vampire novels, but I like a fair number of vampire AUs. I just think it has to be done well. No, because the thing is that, like, the definition, like, the the binding elements of the vampire AU are all things that I really hate. So it's always, like, there's always some major element of problematic consent involved in every single one. A lot of them involve blood play of some kind, which I think is, like, I know way too much about your blood results for me to find that sexy. Uh, (laughs) And typically speaking, there's some sort of, like, soul bond element, which I hate, because I think it also, like, it pings on my generalized, like, enthusiastic consent problems. And it just, there's, like, this whole, like, fucking Twilight. The end. Hate it. (laughs) I hate Twilight, but I like everything you just listed other than the blood play. Let's move on. Um, cop detective AU. I love cop detective AU so much. Co-signed. Like, yeah, anytime, anytime I can find another story where, like, Derek is, uh, Sheriff Stolinski's deputy, so happy. I'll read every <laughs> single one of them. I don't, I think it appeals to some element of our souls that, like, were raised on a steady drip feed of procedural dramas, don't you think? Yeah. No, that's gotta be part of it, exactly. It's just... Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what it is, other than that like background in procedurals and mysteries but they make me exceedingly happy agreed and i i honestly couldn't tell you why but they please me yeah um case fic which sometimes overlaps with cop detective AUs, but probably not often enough not often enough i think a lot of like the cop detective AUs that i typically see have very little to do with a case fic because i think the skill set involved with writing a genuine case fic is very very different and then, very hard. So hard. It's really tough. Like, I um, love a good case fic, but um, a lot of... The, okay, so one of the things with case fic is you have to execute two things perfectly. One, the yes. actual case, and two, yep. the style or execution of, like, the emotions around the case. Yep. And a lot of the time I find people can do one or the other, but not both. Well, I also think that if you're going to do a convincing case fic, you have to become an expert in like three fields, right? You have to, con- depending on what brand of procedural point of view you're taking, you have to know exactly how they roll. Um, you may or may not have to know like the legal ramifications of how like this case would shake out. And you also have to be like an expert in what the actual case is, like the crime and the criminal. And that's like a really difficult sort of, that's like a tr- really difficult trifecta to kind of, um, to nail. And there are lots of people who come close. There are lots of people who hit like two out of three or whatever. I still think, I still really enjoy reading them and you don't often find really brilliant ones, but when you do, they're kind of lovely. Yeah. No, I love them. I just, it's really hard to find the case fic. Yes. Um, her comfort, which I think we covered in the previous tropes episode, but I'm just going to reiterate. I fucking love that shit. Very case by case. Very case by case for me. Okay. Yeah. There's certain kind, if we were doing like, a tropes episode on just tropes of hurt comfort. There's a bunch of them I hate, but in general, <laughs> love it. 
Well, I feel like I, I feel like you and I differ in terms of hurt comfort in the sense that like if something is explicitly hurt comfort, like I will not touch that with a barge pole. Whereas I'm like click. No, because that's like emotionally masturbatory. And whenever anyone does one of those, I typically like um, if a story is a larger story that contains multitudes, including her comfort, I typically enjoy that. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> I'm such a dick. <laughs> No, we're just very, we're, you and I are opposite ends of this spectrum. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm always really surprised when we're in the same fandom at the same time. By just, like, the fact, it's actually really funny, because it, it kind of shows you that, like, I remember that, so basically, people probably don't know this, but MK and I are both in Sherlock fandom. <laughs> yeah. And we never, ever like any of the same stories. Never. Uh, anytime I'm like, I'm reading a great Sherlock fic, it's like, I'm not going to send it to you because you will hate this. Yeah, basically, like, anytime MK's like, this sounds, this is amazing, let me tell you what it's about. Like, you can insert an awkward silence and then me being like, that sounds like garbage. (laughs) And anytime Prue sends me, she's like, listen to what I'm reading. I'm like, oh, that sounds so boring. Yeah, it's also, it kind of also, like, (laughs) goes back to the fundamental, like, fandom divides that we have where... The fandom of my heart, like the one that despite my best efforts, I will love until my dying day and I will ship it from hell is supernatural. Yeah. And I'm like, that is the worst. I hate it. Exactly. Hate it with the fire of a thousand suns. Love it so much. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Um, I cry. My tears are blood and I will still be happy. Oh, you're so gross. I hate it. I hate it. Make it stop. Okay. Uh, Self-search and or OCs. Um, and how sexist is it, how sexist is it that the usage of the term Mary Sue? Well, there's also, um, Gary Stew, which you see less of in, I think, slash fandoms, just because, um, most slash writers are ladies. Here's the thing, though. Uh, Mary Sue isn't actually a sexist term. You tell. Uh, so Mary Sue is an actual character from the wee early days of original Star Trek fanfiction. Nice. The first person who wrote... Uh, like, the most recognizable, let's say, Mary Sue character, had created a character called Lieutenant Mary Sue. And everyone was like, holy shit, basically took down the elements of this, and any time that this type of character appeared again, that's why we call it Mary Sue. It's all based on this original Lieutenant Mary Sue. I I don't think that that, that's really interesting. I had no idea. I don't think that that necessarily precludes it from having gathered some sexist like implications okay but over the years the basis of it is it happened it's you know it's a historical event in fandom sure um i really so basically i dislike self-insert characters but i feel like the fundamental thing that is really intriguing about self-insert is that it's where everyone starts when they start fanfic yes like I feel like the reason people get involved in this is because they want to be part of the story. And it takes a really long time before you start, like, the stories aren't just you sitting there imagining, like, you're having adventures with these characters in this universe that you really like, to kind of removing yourself from the equation and coming up with, like, a larger story. So while, like, I don't particularly like reading it, I don't necessarily ever look at it and think, like, ugh, disgusting, right? Like, because it's, it's where it all starts. Um, it's like the, it's the, it's the opening salvo of a bad writer who will eventually become a good writer if they keep going. So like, I never really look at it with loathing. Um, 
like my first stories were awful self-inserts and grit like thank god like that was back when people actually wrote longhand on notebooks and like didn't actually have immediate access to the internet so like that can't that doesn't exist anymore anywhere you know (laughs) like it's like somewhere in a notebook in my parents attic thank god I think I found a bunch of notebooks at my mom's house once that I had written fan fiction in or printed out fan fiction in. Right. And I was like, how can I get rid of these without her noticing? Like, yeah, I mean, burning. But I couldn't burn anything, right? Like, she doesn't have a fireplace. It's in the suburbs. You know what we're going to have to do, MK? Like, I'm going to have to go find those notebooks. You're going to have to go get your notebooks. And we're going to have to go to the farm at some point. <laughs> and just, like, light a bonfire. And just have, like, a bonfire night. No, what I did was I waited until... Uh, there's a day for unlimited garbage. Right. And I just filled like 800 garbage bags. I had like so much shit and I had real shit and I had to layer it in with old fan fiction notebooks. <laughs> it was like stealth garbage layering. It took me a whole weekend. My God, MK. That is like all kinds of like really specialized crazy. I hope you know that. Yeah, no, I was fully aware of it at the time, but I was also like, nobody better question me about these bags. It's true, because they're definitely the worst thing ever. Um, (laughs) That's self-insert. I love original characters when they're done well. When they're done well. You know what? I was reading something the other day. Um, Okay, there are a lot of original characters that you put into Teen Wolf fanfic specifically, because if you're going to write something that happens in the future, obviously Derek is going to bite more people, or you're going to meet more characters, because we know that it's like a five-season arc. roughly um but the trick is you have to there's a certain level of you need enough background about an original character when you put them in that you're like yes it makes sense that this person is here i understand why they're here i understand what role they play etc if you have no background on them then i'm like this feels like a mary sue or if you have too much background the same thing happens there's like a, a very careful line that you have to walk with them and i don't know i get really nervous anytime an original character is introduced unless I immediately see that perfect line being walked. Just don't basically what this boils down to don't suck, guys. Don't suck. <laughs> Just imagine Prue and the Hoyden sitting on either side of you being like, don't suck, bro. <laughs> that I no, most people don't benefit from that treatment. Only you enjoy that. <laughs> what kind of person am I? I really don't know. <laughs> That's the worst. Because I honestly, like, even me, if I was sitting between you two assholes and you were both, like, looking at my monitor being like, don't suck, Prue, I'd be like, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) If it were anyone else, I would probably punch them in the face and or run away crying. But with you two, I'm like, yeah, okay, what do you want me to do next? (laughs) What's wrong with you? I don't know. I guess I just trust you two a lot or something. You shouldn't. We're definitely not trustworthy. (laughs) Well, the Hoyden might be. We don't know. I know. I'm just, like, your drunk uncle. Um, she's like a real grown up with like, I know she's so mature and reasonable. I don't know what to do with her. I don't know. I can't handle that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Next question. Uh, from Captain Becca, the trope is celebrity character, not celebrity character. Yeah, I actually, okay, wait, there are two, again, this is always the thing with tropes, right? There's always two ways to do it. There's the one way where, like, you fucking love that story, it's great. And then there's the, I see it executed so often, so badly, where the celebrity character is the biggest raging asshole of all time, and I'm like, there's no redeeming quality here. There's no reason that character B should fall in love with celebrity character, because celebrity character is not worth it. (laughs) Right. I think the, the I think the problem with this, and there's like a certain difficulty in execution, right? 
um, is you have to make that love story convincing. Like you have to, because I feel like if it's a celebrity, the, the hazard you run into is they fall in love too quickly or something like that. Yeah. Because then you end up like, it doesn't like for people who are not celebrities, you can be like, you fell in love too quickly, but it was love at first sight. And that everyone gives that a pass. Um, if it's a celebrity, you end up running the risk of like, well, you didn't really like this person. You just fell in love with the idea of this person, which I think is, it's kind of, I don't think enough people think about it, which is why enough people, like a lot of people don't actually address it when they're writing it. So sometimes when I read stuff, I hit this wall of like, I have to call bullshit on this. (laughs) Um, But I, I feel like there are also people who execute this brilliantly. Like there's so many Notting Hill AUs. There are definitely a couple of good ones in there. Yes. Um, yeah, I sort of like it. Um, I think that it all, it just very much goes down to execution. The other thing is that with celebrity slash non-celebrity AUs, there's always that element of wish fulfillment, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah, this would be amazing if it happened to me. It might not actually be in real life, but we can enjoy (laughs) it for the what if. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we all kind of like the idea of like, you fall in love and someone is so overwhelmed by you that they do ridiculous things to have you and all of that is amplified if it's a celebrity au or like a royalty au or something similar to that yeah because it's like this person is so amazing and they like you this much to wind up in this ridiculous situation that's incredibly flattering yep in real life it might be just terrifying and horrifying but in fan fiction i'm like yes bring it yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) um our next one is from errol and oz wants to talk about woke up married, arranged marriage, pretend dating, soulmate soul bonds, werewolf mate, sentinel guide, names appear on skin, etc. Uh, I love woke up married because generally speaking, it happens as a result of like some crazy rom-com romp, which I'm a huge proponent of. Yes. Also, you and I had a discussion last night where we were talking about the holy trinity of married fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was like arranged marriage, marriage of convenience, undercover marries. And, you know, if I could add more things to a trinity and still have it be a trinity, woke up married would definitely be on there and pretend dating. Like, I fucking love pretend dating. I am less into pretend dating. But then again, we were also having this discussion because I was commenting on how bizarre it is that you love woke up, like, all these, like, married-related <laughs> things. Because... You fucking hate established relationship fic. Like, this is the fundamental difference between the two of us in terms of our, like, reading habits. And if you don't believe me, go check out our pin boards. It is so (laughs) flamingly obvious. It is ridiculous. Um, If you filter out all the recipes and weird stuff that we, like, pin over the course of our days, (laughs) I, like, my fix will, like, I will definitely read get-together fix. But I skew so heavily toward established relationship and, like, stories where relationships are established and then continued and then mk like fucking hates established relationships (laughs) only get together fix first time i've read a few established fix that i liked but i find it's just not satisfying to me like i have zero interest in that yeah that's because mk like as we've discussed before on flash report mk is like a horrible man she gets her rocks off and she doesn't fucking care about you she just wants to like roll over and sleep well i always find like the next part really boring it's like great now you're dating Uh, success (laughs) (laughs) no comment on what this says about your personal life i just find that Um, I don't know why I don't like pretend dating. I think that it sort of, I don't know why it bugs me. It sort of does, though. It bugs you? 
Yeah, it sort of does bug me, and I don't know why. I always find pretend dating to be really great because you get all of the stuff that you would get near the end of a fic, but in the beginning, but they're not together yet. And there's often, like, the misunderstanding or, like, they're not quite on the same... Like, if both people think that it's unrequited, but they have to do this for, like, to achieve a certain goal. See, I will, that's more undercover, and I like that. Like, if there's a prescribed reason they have to do it, a, a lot of times pretend dating is, like, it speaks of some sort of, like, deep moral failing or ethical failing of one of the parties involved. Like, so often for pretend dating, you have, like, oh, my God, I don't want to be single at this thing. Or, like, oh, my God, I need... I, I don't know. There's like always some sort of intrinsic power imbalance. Like usually one party likes the other party better or it, or one person knows that they're in love and the other person is just like oblivious. And that really bothers me on some level. I don't know. I've become apparently the most boring human being ever in terms of my tropes and reading preferences. No, that's interesting because every reason that you listed for not liking it is like specifically the reasons I like it. Do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I'm the worst. All right, Soulmate Soul Bonds, which I think we've mentioned before. I hate forever. I love forever. They're great. Uh, Werewolf Mates, it's like the same thing, but... Which I also hate. You get a lot of scent marking, so I really like that. Oh, my God. Um, Sentinel Guide, also hate forever. Love it. In case you're surprised. I think fine. These three things... Yeah, well, you know, I think we all saw this coming. I think what binds these three trope elements and, like, makes it so obvious that, like, you love them and I hate them is because... I think it takes away some measure of agency right? from people who are involved in the relationship. Like, I don't like the idea of soul bonds or destined soulmates because I feel like so much of what makes a romance romantic is the choice, right? Like, you're like, I want this person, so I'm going to work for it. And this relationship is something that I have to work on. So there's like a sustained sense of like, I'm invested, you know, like I have agency and I make this choice every day and it's not oftentimes pretty and it's oftentimes very difficult, but I love this person enough that I want to. And if you have like a soul bond or if your soulmates or like your fucking furry wolf mates or like sentinel and guide, like, so much of that is cheapened and like removed. It's like, okay, fine. Your soulmate's done. Check less. Like, let's get out of here. Like there's no further, there's no further effort or struggle on your part for that. See, and I think this is the thing again, where you want the the established relationship and I want just fall in love. I think of this as like winning the lottery. See, but like, how is that falling in love? Like if someone, if you're fated for someone, like how is that falling in love? That's basically like a chemical reaction. It's like the relationship that I have with Cat Dander. Like, it's gonna, like, <laughs> I show up in a room, it's gonna do shit to me whether or not I want it to. No, I think that what makes it interesting is seeing someone fight against it or be unsure or, you know, be conflicted about it and then eventually give in and be happy. See, but see, this is the whole thing, giving into it. Yeah, I feel... The whole, like, the yeah, enthusiastic consent issues. All right. Well, you know that I like DubeCon, so let's Naturally. <laughs> move on to Names Appear on Skin, which I actually feel conflicted about. I find this one really interesting because I think it's really, it's fairly specific. Um, but I've seen executions of this, which are interesting. I don't necessarily know about Names Appearing on Skin. Like, you wrecked this, um, MK. Do you remember that Sherlock story with, with the, the heart? Broken, 
right? Heart. With the little heart mark on the... Yeah, like, stuff like that I find really interesting because they're, it's like, um, it's almost like a visual record of your past loves, which I don't necessarily find a bad thing. Um, I feel like perhaps the name appearing on skin thing could prove problematic, but I think most of the times that I've seen it, um, it's been more of, like, a magical realism thing. Yeah, I like the magical realism, but I will... Okay, so names appear on skin compared to, say, Timer AUs or this, like, heartmark thing in Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Um, when the name appears on the skin, I find it, and you're going to be like, what a hypocrite. Too easy. Yeah, what a fucking hypocrite. I'm like, but the name is right there. It's not like you felt something and you weren't sure who it was and then, like, eventually figured it out and gave in. It's more like, oh, it's this person. Okay, let's get together. I find that... Maybe it's just that I've never read one that I really loved, like, overwhelmingly loved, but, uh-huh. eh. Um, whereas the heart mark, I'm like, that's beautiful, because it's like, you know, your emotions show a physical scar, which is just really poetic. And then the timer yeah. AUs, which Marilyn introduced me to, which I love, where it's like a countdown, and you're like, at this time, I'm going to meet the person I should be with forever, but... What if you're in a room with, like, 800 people giving a speech? Like, it could be any of them. Yeah. I find, like, there's a mystery there that I really like. Whereas the name appears on skin, there's not enough unknown. I suppose. But then again, like, to be fair, I've never read a name appears on skin story where it was actually, like, any... There was never a fucking plot. Let's be real. Yeah. Like, the whole plot of the story was that someone's name appeared on your skin. And it's always, like, some sort of, like, lovely romantic meditation on falling in love or, like, finding that person. Um, but there was never a larger plot, so it was kind of, like, irrelevant how easy or hard it was. Yeah, that's fair enough. I feel like there's something that I want a name appear on skin story to do, and I'm not sure what it is, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I, I think it's one of those things where you have to, like, you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next one was an Anon from Tumblr who wanted us to talk about pining slash unrequited, all UST and no relationship, <laughs> which I think we've just discussed is my favorite and proves like worst enemy. I, you know what? Here's the thing. There is a part of me that's like a monstrous evil part of me that loves pining unrequited love, but in a very different way than you do. Like, I think that I'm I'm not being inaccurate when I say that you like it when at the end of this pining unrequited love, they get together. Yeah. I sort of really love it when at the end you don't. But that's really sad. I know. But it's it's sort of like this terrible bittersweet sadness. And I think I said it, I wrote it into the least of all possible mistakes at one point um, about <laughs> Molly and her crush on Sherlock. And it's just... those are the worst crushes right those are like because they're we've convinced ourselves culturally that like love can't be unidirectional right like it's only obsession or it's like a terrible crush we like we minimize it um we degrade like what that feeling is like if it's gone on for longer than three months it may be something worse than a passing crush and i think there's something really interesting about the mechanics of an unrequited love, you know, that is the sort of, that is the sort of like love story that clings to you for the longest period of time, because there's nothing to sort of tell you, like, this isn't going to work out. Like, you don't ever know the full reality of a person, probably. All you have is your hope. And as we've always, we've always known, like, hope is so toxic and eternal.
general and lovely and horrible at the same time. And there's something really intriguing and complicated and knocked, knotted up about that. that I love reading about when it's really well executed. Like that's the sort of feeling you get when you're like just pressing on a bruise just to sort of like get to the emotional hit of it. But I'm also aware that like most people probably aren't. <laughs> I'm getting upset just listening to you talk about it. Like it's really upsetting me right now. I don't like it. All right, let's move on to something much happier, uh, um, which is a question from Daisy Diversions, uh, specifically role reversal AUs, like uh, Harry Potter house switching, Prince Merlin, that sort of thing. I really like them a lot. I think it depends. Like, the Harry Potter, I neither of those um, examples that she just gave appealed to me. Okay, wait. Uh, I guess what we have to nail down is, are we doing, like, an equal and opposite Full Metal Alchemist style exchange or switch? Or are we just doing, like, you can change one thing to the opposite? I would view that as equal and opposite, right? So, like, if it's Prince Merlin, I would assume that Arthur is the peasant. Okay, so that I like less. Okay. Um, but if you were, like... Merlin has always been a prince, and he shows up in Camelot. I find that fascinating. Yeah, I think that's not role ver- reversal, then. Okay, so if we're going to do, like, full-on opposites, like, Styles has always been a werewolf, Derek was always human, zero yeah. interest. Liam's <laughs> like, nope, done. Yeah, I feel, I feel actually like you and I are agreed on this one. What? I'm shocked. I know. It's a little surprising. But I was just sitting there thinking, like, would I be interested if Dean had always been an angel and Castiel is a hunter? Not really. I don't know what it is about that, but I'm just like, no. Yeah, I perhaps it's just that, like, our perceptions of them are so deeply embedded. Yeah, well, uh, let me ask you this. So, uh, before I can start writing fanfiction for a fandom, mm-hmm. I have to have created, like, an extensive picture of a character in my head. Like, I have right. to be like, I know this character, now it's done. Right. Are you like that before you start writing fan fiction? Um, I don't do it in any sort of intentional way. No, but you just, like, you get that, and once it's cemented, I, then... Well, I feel like I wouldn't write about a character unless I felt like I got them. Okay. So I find, like, uh, after... I can read fan fiction before I've cemented this idea, but once right. I've gotten it, then I there's fewer things that I can read because I'll be reading something and I'll be like, nope, it's wrong. I think this is one of those things where um, I, I it's almost like, I don't know why this doesn't appeal to me. That's actually really strange. I've, I'm very intrigued by my own response to this. Hmm. Why doesn't this appeal to me? I guess this is sort of like how it just doesn't, like, why bother? Yeah, that sounds about right to me. And it also, like, completely changes the dynamic of the sh- the the story which presumably you enjoyed um but not in any sort of like okay so let's do teen wolf right like if derek was always human and styles was a werewolf like the entire show falls apart yeah like it just doesn't exist anymore which I guess if you really like the character of Styles, you could have that, but he would be completely different and he wouldn't be the character of Styles anymore. Yeah, I would feel like I had lost Styles. And I mean, let's be real, Styles is the reason to watch that show for well, me. Well, basically, like, you would have lost everything about that series. Like, yeah, everything. Nothing I would love. exist anymore except for the premise that there is a werewolf and some humans. 
Yeah, which, like... Which I, I guess maybe, like, it's really interesting as an exercise to, like, make it original fiction or something like that, but it's just not, like, I would not, like, seriously, I wouldn't read it if Dean was an angel and Cass was, like, a hunter. Like, how would that even fucking work? <laughs> you know, my emotional response to this is, like, when I see something on a restaurant menu, like, if I were looking at a restaurant menu and I see, like, item A that I fucking love, and I'm like, oh, man, I want to eat that, and then I see item B, and I'm like, oh, I would never order that. That's yeah, like it's really odd, thing. and I don't, know, I don't know why exactly that happens. Um, perhaps it's something like, uh, I mean, because <laughs> it, it, the weird part about this is that, like, I love genderfuck. I really like our alternate universes. Yeah, I love all of those Like, things. alternate diversion realities, and yet somehow this is just, like, ugh, everything I don't want. But see, it's that thing again where I was like, if one part of this changes but everything else stays the same, I'm so perha- like so happy. Just so happy. Right. But as soon as you like completely flip it around, I'm like, no. Well, because it's a different thing. It's not what you it's not what you signed up for. Yeah, I guess um how do I even this is really hard to discuss. I know. And I don't know why I'm like so like no. Yeah, I'm, like, completely, like, there's no part of me that is, like, maybe if it was done right, I'm just, like, no. No, definitely, agreed. Like, I'm normally, like, yeah, perhaps if it's done correctly, but nope. Nope. Do you know one exception to this that I have read before, and I wish there was a really good one? Okay. And maybe there is, I just don't know what it is. This is the only one that I've been, like, oh, man, I would read the shit out of this. It's the AU where, um, instead of Sam going off to college, Dean does. And Sam stays on the road hunting in Supernatural. Like, that's the only one that I've ever really been like, I would read the shit out of this. But even that somehow feels different than the idea of total role reversal. Yeah, well, in that one, Dean would have to be the one, like, drinking demon blood and shit. I know. I find that really... Which, again, like, I don't think that would happen. No. (laughs) So it wouldn't be a full role reversal. I know. I get. We're we're completely... I don't know why we dislike this. If anyone has any ideas or more articulate thoughts on this, let us know. But I'm so baffled by our response to this one. Yeah. My brain is just, like, shutting it down. Exactly. (laughs) like, nope. The end. End of podcast. (laughs) No, we're, we're lying. We have more. Yes. Um... Next one is an Anon on Tumblr who wants to talk about characters temporarily turning into animals, de-aging, people needing to get fingered extensively every single time, and outsider point of view. Um, temporarily turning into animals can be hilarious depending on execution. This is one where we agree, but only because Prue fucking loves, like, the occasional swan luck or yep. something like swan luck. Yeah, like, it just, it's like, one of, it's completely bizarre, right? Like, for generally speaking, I don't want to read about animals in a story unless you're feeding them to me for dinner. Um, <laughs> but if you write it really well in a really funny way, I'm all about it. Like, the, the specific examples I can think of are Swanlock. There's also a story where, like, Charles and Eric from X-Men First Class are birds. I <laughs> which, hate you. It's so good. Charles is a magic dove. Like, what the fuck? So good. Um, And then there's one where, in that same fandom, where Eric gets turned into a kitten. And it's just, it should be everything that I hate, but it's hilarious. Here's the Um, thing. Wait. I really like temporarily turned into animals, but I hate have always been animals. Wait, you liked your birthday story? Yeah, but that was written by you. So I think the answer to this is like, Depending on how it's executed. Depending on, but I find, like, 
99% of the time have always been animals uninterested. <laughs> Unless they're magic doves and swans. This, no, this is like one of those lines between Prue and I. A dick-shaped line in the sand. <laughs> um, I still remember wrecking that story. <laughs> and typing the words, Charles is a dove. I think he's a magic dove. <laughs> I just feel like a little piece of myself die on the inside. <laughs> You can never go back to before it's that so moment. I've no regrets. DHing, love it. I love all forms of DHing. I love it when people are DHed all the way back down to kids because it's hilarious. Yep. I love it when someone who is like a middle aged, grown ass person is like DHed to their like teenage self. It's also hilarious. I love seeing someone suddenly be their asshole teenage self and everyone being like, you know, they're really great as an adult, but as a teenager, I want to punch this person in the face. That's like, that's one half of it that I really enjoy. The other perv half of me also really enjoys like when someone's in an established relationship as an adult. Yeah. And then they get de-age back to like 16 and you're like, yes, good. (laughs) Why is this so good for me? It just is. Don't worry Oh, I know exactly why it's so good for me. (laughs) You're the worst. Um... People needing to get fingered extensively every single time. I really like this. I don't know why. But I'm like, a lot of the time I'll be reading something and I'm like, "Mm, there was not enough fingering. I feel like I never am one to judge what someone needs to float their boat. So, you know. Do what you gotta do. I think the pro- like I think where this becomes a problem is, and you know exactly the type of stories I'm talking about, like the epic length stories that are mediocre to not bad, but that contain like way too many sex scenes that are mechanical in nature, and you're just like you could literally find replace the scenery around it, and it's the same scene that came ten pages ago, and you're doing the exact same thing with like shitty dialogue. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I was reading a story the other day, and I was on chat with Marilyn, and I was like, um, this sex scene is fine, but I hate everything about it. (laughs) And she was like, I don't understand. And I was like, it's just, it's like, uh, it had the, the tone and description of, like, late 80s, early 90s romance novel sex scenes. Right. And I was like, I feel like I have read these exact phrases 8 million times and never enjoyed them. Yep. Yep. Like... There's a certain point where, like, you're like, mm, no, everything about this is terrible. And, like, technically, there's nothing wrong. Like, it is technically proficient. Yeah. But in terms of the emotional hit or the style or, like, you know, that feeling that you're chasing when you're reading fan fiction, fail on all counts. Yeah, I feel like the problem is, is that when people end up, so most stories, like, most fanfic stories, what happens is, your couple bangs, and that's the end. Or it's a PWP, and they bang a lot, and that's the point. Um, If you have a story that is really long, has multiple NC-17 scenes, the wall you're going to come up against is you have to make sure that those scenes are as varied as if you were writing this as a PWP. Because someone has read your entire piece if they get to your third sex scene and it reads exactly the same as the first, I don't care if that's the way you actually roll deep, like in real life, if you bone the exact same way every time because that's how you like it, bully for you. It's I don't fiction, want to read you that. need to change it up. Yeah, like I don't want to read that. Like that's, 
it's glaring, really obvious, and it reads like bad writing. Yeah. Um, so you need to like do something different. And I don't mean like Princess Leia role play or some shit. Like you maybe need to like fade to black or like have them do something else or like not write it. I think oftentimes the right answer is not to write it. But Yeah. Well this what? goes back to our discussion of like stories that don't have porn versus stories that have porn and it's it's a weird thing in fandom, but sometimes even though the porn story often gets more hits, you need to not include it because sometimes including it makes the story worse. Yes. Alright, um and outsider point of view, which if it's done well, I really enjoy. Love, love a good outsider point of view. Yeah, but it, it's, I feel like it's really tricky. Because, you know, the most popular stories are the ones about your pairing that you love. And a lot of the time you want to read, like, those two characters. And I find sometimes yeah. the outsider point of view is from someone that, like, most of the time I have some interest in or no interest. And you really have to sell it to keep me going for the whole length. Yeah, or if your outsider character is, like, way too interested in the main pairing, then it's just, like, unconvincing. Yeah, you're like, whoa, stalker, back up. I know, or, like, it may be like, all right, this is bad, but it's scratching an itch, which is not necessarily what you want. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, you and I made a short list in case we didn't get enough, and I think we should do some of those. Oh, wait, we got, we just got another question, though, from Lee Jaka. Oh, okay, so let's do Lee Jaka. Okay, so Lee Jaka sends, this is more for historical set stuff, but fake engagements to go along with fake marriages. <laughs> she and I were talking about this last night. Um, and your thoughts? My thoughts are, I like fake engagement, but I get really nervous about it. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid. Like, it's fan fiction. Most of the time, it's going to end well, right? Right. And I'm like, if you're fake dating someone, and if that were happening to you in real life, it, like, if in real life you needed to, at a party, fake be somebody's significant other, I'm like, right. cool. If it works out and you're actually in love with this person and you wind up together, awesome. If you don't, it's totally fine. You had, like, an enjoyable evening. But when you're fake engaged, that's long term. That's like, <laughs> you know... It's getting pretty serious really fast. Even if it's fake, I'm like, mm, this feels too serious. <laughs> and I worry about their happiness. I worry that, like, it won't work out. And then they'll be really upset. And they had a fake engagement, which is kind of a BFD. Right. <laughs> Just, I get really anxious. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait, come on. That's a serious problem to have. I'm sure it is. I hate you. I know you do. Don't you have any feelings about fake engagement? Mm, it goes with fake dating. Same thing? Yeah, very similar. But it's you the same like those, um... dislike it. God, what is that movie that you guys love AUs of? The one where, like, the subway attendant gets hit by a train or something and is in the hospital and then... Oh, while you were sleeping? Yeah, you love while you were sleeping, right? Yeah, but you have to understand that, like, when they're fake engaged, one of them is unconscious and he doesn't know that he's fake engaged. Different in that context. But here's the thing I find while you were sleeping, AUs deeply upsetting and uncomfortable. Why? Because one person doesn't know. See, but here's the thing about that, right? Like, that is classic farcical comedy where you've basically heaped stupidity after stupidity upon yourself. And depending on how it plays out when the guy wakes up, right? Like, there are two ways you could go with this. You could either let yourself be convinced that this is 
like a relationship you were in, which why would you? Um, or you could just be like, no, this bitch is cray. At which point the entire farce falls apart. And the only person who's hurt in the transaction is the person who brought this on themselves. See what I hate? Like, I can't watch someone do that to themselves. That's, it's like every squick button I have. <laughs> it, it doesn't bother me that much just because I like humiliate myself constantly. You have a higher threshold than me. I'm like, I had a mild humiliation. I need to like run away and live in a cave for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, my life is a lot more balls than yours is, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get myself into a lot dumber situations, so, like, at this point, I'm just kind of like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Fine. you need to remember, I think we've told you this before, but if you read something in one of Prue's stories where you're like, that is so embarrassing and it would never happen to anyone, it definitely happened to her. <laughs> it definitely happened to me. Whereas I'm like, nothing happens to me, so nothing bad happens to these people. Ah, good, good. <laughs> My life is very calm and relaxed. Um, For now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so those questions, the tropes that we came up with, that we were gonna, that we wanted to talk about. Don't ask, don't tell. I think that we found this particularly interesting, right? Because it's it was such an enormous presence in fandom for so long, and it is gone and it's like the pen stroke of like d-a-t-t being gone is just indicative of a larger complete dissolution of an entire like field of like slash fanfic right like say thank you to obama he just eradicated a chunk of your fandom i know thanks obama thanks obama it's just like it, it sort of goes along with the whole like, there, it used to be, like, a huge thing to be, like, the coming out story. Yes. And now, like, nobody wants to read that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't seem to be a point anymore. Well, also, like, the original conceit of that is all about, like, you're really scared that your family is going to hate you and, like, how awful and, like, usually there's, like, a good dose of self-loathing involved. And I'm not saying that any of this is not relevant anymore, but I feel like as a fandom we've moved beyond that in terms of our interest, right? Like, that's not where the angst that we want lives. Like, that's something that seems, if not, you know, peripheral, significantly lessened. And I think that our generation, at least, you and mine, like, our kids, I don't think, would ever, ever, be like oh man I'm so scared of coming out to my parents like if my kid came out and told me that he was gay I would probably assume that he's trying to distract me from having set a car on fire or something (laughs) or your kid is stupid and didn't realize that you already knew I mean that's one option I feel like the other option is like him trying to have a big traumatic come out with me is probably because he's done something horrible like, that's <laughs> going to be my knee-jerk reaction. I impregnated like, another man. Yeah, it's like, I don't actually know if you're really gay, but the fact that you're sitting here in the kitchen crying about it makes me think that you've done something awful. Like, did you fail chemistry? You're <laughs> <laughs> the worst parent. I'm not. I'm like, that's irrelevant to me. Your chemistry grade matters. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of don't ask, don't tell, like, in terms of having moved on as a fandom, I think this goes back to, and I don't know if we talked about this on the Slash Report or if we were talking about it offline, but you and I had an extensive discussion about the difference in style between published fiction and fan fiction. Yes, Yes. I think we did this offline. Okay, 
So obviously, in the publishing world, style changes much more slowly because it takes years to get a book published. Like even once you've signed the deal, it's going to take oh forever. Prudence, so long. Really a long time. So long. Um, whereas in fan fiction, you write something, you post it, it's great, people love it, and then you write something else, and then you write something else. And it's there, like, the next day, or, like, maybe a couple months later if it's really long and it's taking you a while. Like, the style can change so quickly, and especially between fandoms, that, like, there's no way the publishing world could ever keep up. Right. Though that does mean that sometimes I pick up a book and I'm like, God, what was this written, like, four years ago? Probably. Yes. Um, and, you know, Don't Ask, Don't Tell might be something that would come up in a book that would come out right now. Right. But it's unlikely to come up in fan fiction for that reason. Culturally, we haven't moved on. But fandom-wise, we have. I mean, and it's really odd, because you and I were talking, so MK and I have been sort of doing the background work for, eventually we we would like to do an SGA episode. And as a result of that, like, I went back through, and I was looking through some of the greatest hits of SGA fandom. Um... And they all felt really, really aged now. Like, they all seem incredibly dated. um, Because entire major swaths of the preferred plot points of them are just irrelevant. And stylistically, we've moved away from using that as, like, a crutch. So even in my own fanfic, where the whole thing about the whole thing about, like, having to be on the down low about the relationship is just like, oh, it reads really disingenuous now. Because why would you? doesn't matter. Yeah, it's weird. It's really odd. And it's kind of interesting to see how that was not that long ago. It was really recent, right? Like, less than, oh god, wait, I almost said less than a decade, which means that I'm old. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Awesome. I'm not 30 yet. It's cool. I'm still in my 20s. Okay. (laughs) Um, let's move on to bakery, coffee shop, AUs. Okay. Um, I obviously, like, like everyone else on the planet, I know a bunch of people who worked in coffee shops for most of their way through, like, high school and university. Right. Um, and one of my friends who worked in a coffee shop is stunningly attractive. Like, ridiculously attractive. And her boss told her in, like, the training, listen, you're working the morning shift. People are going to fall in love with you. They're not really in love with you. They see you. You're attractive. You're giving them caffeine. It creates, like, it's basically a Pavlovian switch. Uh, Yep. Don't go out with customers. Gently turn them down. Move on. Yep. Okay, so in reality, that's a problem. It happens to Reese's. It's upsetting. In fan fiction, go crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, if it were, if someone that I knew in real life was like, I'm in love with this barista at Starbucks, I'd be like, no, you're not. You're just an idiot. (laughs) Like, come on. But in fan fiction, I'm like, maybe you are. Maybe it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> it just seems more plausible. I do. Like, as as someone who actually, like, so my morning routine is to basically haul myself out of bed, drink half a pot of coffee in my house, and then, like, buy another cup before I go into the office. <laughs> um, I, like, definitely have some, like, strong feelings about my morning barista. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm just, like, every time I have that moment where she's, like, Oh yeah, here's your order. I'm like, and just like this is this is where it begins. <laughs> if I was Eames, if you were Eames, actually harassing you right now, you horrible asshole. <laughs> um, as with almost anything else, for me, um, 
coffee shop and bakery I use are kind of case by case basis. There's some really good ones. There's some not so good ones. I tend to like coffee shop ones slightly better than bakery AUs. Um, mostly because people, a lot of people who write bakeries don't actually know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to baking. Um, and that's the other thing that kind of bothers me. Like when you, when you have these AUs, like no one actually talks about the work. Like no one talks about coffee. No one talks about baking. Yeah, that's true. That's one thing I wish they would do more because I do love baking. Yeah. I would really like it if we could scan Marilyn into writing a bakery AU. Oh my God. That's the dream. Guys, you don't know this, but Marilyn is like the greatest baker of all time. She's like the greatest. Like I've definitely come back to the U S and like prior to like buying my plane tickets, I've brokered an agreement with her to be like, when I arrive, I would like the following pie (laughs) at my disposal. Once I was like, Hey, can I stay with you? She was like, yeah, no problem. And then her second question was what kind of pie would you like me to make? And I was like, Oh God. I don't even, like, it, there's too many options. Like, I was overwhelmed. <laughs> it was amazing. It's true. She's so good. She's really good. <sighs> but, yeah, no, I like, I in general, I like them. I just wish that maybe people wrote more about the actual stuff involved. Yeah. I've read a couple that, like, went in deep to it and were really interesting. But, again, you have to find that balance between getting deep enough into how running a bakery actually works while still maintaining like the romantic through line and enough character stuff to keep me going. Yeah. (laughs) Harlequin. Harlequin stories. I think as collectively as a fandom, we know that Harlequin stories are magical. They're so magical. I find they're, they're pure Eid delivery systems. Yes. And I really wish that like, as soon as someone entered a new fandom, they would just start the Harlequin plate, like this Harlequin challenge or set of storylines, like, just post it somewhere and be like, do it. <laughs> because it's, like, you know, this many months into a fandom, and I'm always like, but where is the Harlequin challenge? <laughs> where, Where is it? Is it happening yet? What about now? Yep. Yep. And I think SGA did that, like, probably the best of recent, like, of fandoms in the last ten or so years. Yeah. Like, they had the best Harlequin challenge of all time. They had that calm, and they were like, New Harlequin stories that were, like, 10K each every two days or something. Yeah. It was pretty choice. The other fandom that does Harlequins incredibly well is J2. Yes. I mean, I don't read them, but even looking at the summaries, I'm like, fuck yeah. So good. You guys have it made. (laughs) Random pregnant cowboy shit is just perfect. (laughs) Oh, Every time, so I follow the Bad Harlequin, what the fuck Bad Harlequin covers on Tumblr. And every time I see, like, there's some that I'm like, oh man, that definitely needs to be an AU. (laughs) The cover is terrible, and I want to read that story, but not that story. Right. I want to read a better version of that story. Naturally. Obviously. Merlin also did a pretty good job with them. Uh, some of them, yeah. Yeah. It just, I think, um, because Merlin was shorter... In both, mm-hmm. in like episodes per season and seasons, it didn't really get you know enough build up to right. achieve an SGA level of Harlequin. But right. I really enjoyed it. Um, porn AUs. I love these when they're done well. I either really like them or get extremely uncomfortable right away, and often both happen at the same time. <laughs> it's I don't know. Porn acting is like a a weird 
it's almost similar to the sex worker situation. Right. Because there's a lot of safety considerations that you have to take in, right? Like, there are some sketch porn jobs out there. Yes. And safety first. Like, in other stories where, you know, if someone's a werewolf, I'm like, you probably don't need a condom. They're a werewolf. It's fine, unless you're worried about pregnancy. Which is stupid, but, like, let's pretend that that's okay. But in porn, I'm like, where's the fucking condom? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? When did you last get a blood test? Right. Like, it really, it stresses me out. And then there's the part where I'm like, your job is to fuck this person and loads of other people. Are you even interested in sex outside of this? Like, maybe you are. Maybe you're tired of it now. Maybe you're, like, stressed out from your job. Um, Is this going to work out well where you are in the new relationship phase and the next day you have to fuck that person's best friend on camera? See, I never really think about it that far. Like, as far as I'm concerned... The perfect porn AUs are just like, everyone works in a porn studio, and uh, they bone each other constantly. What do you mean, plot? Who cares? I get really anxious. <laughs> but there are a lot of porn AUs that I love, but like, still reading them will be like, I'm really upset about this. Also, I really oh. like it, but I'm really upset. <laughs> no, I love them. I think that when they're done really well, they're just like, entirely, you know, disconnect your brain, have some fun. Oh. I don't know. That's kind of me with, like, bakery or coffee shop AUs. Which is fair. Yeah. That leads us neatly into our rec section for the week. Um, And I actually have a ton. So I don't know if anyone can tell from my Twitter um, activity, or if you follow my pin board, you probably guessed. I've fallen back down the dark abyss that is supernatural. (laughs) And I do mean abyss. Um, the fun thing is that Supernatural is a reliable fandom for churning out, like, good stories, so I'm not too bitter about it. Um, my first rec is called Kiss You When It's Dangerous by Zoe Mathemata. It's basically a detective police AU, um, of Supernatural, where instead of being an angel, Castiel Novak is an FBI agent. Uh, and he first meets Sam and Dean Winchester when they save him from becoming a ritual sacrifice um, <laughs> from his partner who is trying to open a portal to hell. As you do. Uh, it's a really marvelous novel-length story and that also is a case fic uh, because after they rescue him, he promises not to arrest Dean despite the many, many outstanding warrants on him. And through the medium of text messages, phone calls, and emails, they're sort of trying to piece together what the ritual his partner was trying to do is, um, why they needed Castiel for it. And along the way, he figures out this sort of subterranean world of demons and ghosts and everything. And it's really, it's a really lovely, slow romance. And they fall in love along the way, and there is a happy ending just as it should be. I love this. I've actually read this about three times in the past week. Um, and I'll probably read it again when I'm flying back to New York. So I'm a big fan. Everyone should check this out. <laughs> um, my next story that I'm wrecking is Clause 19 by Laura Kay. This is a Hawkeye slash Avenger fanfic. Um, if you haven't been reading the Matt Fraction Asia Hawkeye comics, you really, really should. They're hilarious. The art is fantastic. And Clint Barton is the gold-hearted loser that everyone sort of is secretly on the inside. <laughs> um, and it's a fabulous story from the point of view of Kate Bishop. And it's post-Avengers movie, and it's about the return of Phil Coulson, 
among other things. But it's done with this lovely light voice, and Kate is such a marvelous character in the comics, and she's marvelously rendered in this story. Uh, next recommendation that I have is total comfort fic. If you ever like want the story equivalent of like wrapping yourself in a blanket, um, it's called Tales from the Bunker of Domesticity by T and Jumpers. Uh, I, for all of you who like totally bailed out of Supernatural, as I did for a long time, season eight is when they get something that they're referring to as the Batcave. They finally get a home base after a long time being out on the road. And um, it's kind of like a lovely, just complete fluff, domestic, post-everything-in-the-series story of, like, kind of fabulous domestic interactions in the Batcave. And I, like, there's nothing more to it, and it's exactly what you want. It's warm, and it's happy, and no one is dead. (laughs) It's all I wanted. Uh Stupid phantom. It's all I wanted out of this stupid fandom. And my last wreck is an actual really fun, very plotty story. It's called Gunshy by Satissima. It is a Bones J2AU. And I read this years and years ago and refound it recently. It is a great story. It is a great case fic. Um, and even if you don't know anything about J2, it is just like fabulously intelligent, plotty, gay romance novel that everyone should check out. And it's a Bones AU. So if you like Bones, this is all, this is right up your alley. Nice. Yep. You were not kidding. No. You have a lot of wrecks. I did. Okay. <clears throat> I only have two. Wow. I know. I'm shocked. We're changing places this week. We're totally changing places, but I wanted to work as many tropes as I could into like two <laughs> stories that I love. Right. Okay. So the first one is called CSI Beacon Hills. Oh, sweet mother of Christ. It's not a CSI story. Okay, good. (laughs) It's hilariously. Okay, so Styles is a lab tech and Derek is a deputy, but Derek is still a werewolf. Styles' dad, who is the sheriff, knows that he's a werewolf um, and knows that, like, fairies and shit have been happening to Beacon Hills for a good long while. And, you know, like, if you've ever read one of those stories where they're like, this is five ways that this didn't happen in one way that it did, where you get, like, five little snippets of different crazy things... Yeah. And you're kind of always like, oh, each of those would make its own good story. Right. But putting them together like this is also very satisfying. This story is almost like five little snippets of, like, random crazy-ass cases that happen to Styles as a lab tech who's trying to, like, cover up and deal with crazy magic while solving crimes. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, it's like a, a beautiful romance between the two of them, and it's just done as a comedy, so it's great. It's just, like, over-the-top ridiculous and very enjoyable. <laughs> Great. Um, the other one is called Fireman Derek's Crazy Pie, which is a fireman bakery college student AU. And the idea is that Styles moves into residence, and his residence's microwaves, all of them, uh, will basically set a bag of popcorn on fire every fifth time that someone uses the microwave. Okay. And the way that he discovers this is, you know, his roommates all make popcorn and it's fine, and one night he makes popcorn and it explodes and catches on fire and everyone has to evacuate the building and firemen show up and one of them is Derek who's super hot but Styles doesn't know his name or anything he's just like that hot asshole fireman who yells right. at him for like trying to set the building on fire okay 
But everyone in the building, because they are first-year college students, is like, dude, that fireman is super hot, and so is the rest of his crew. We should set shit on fire as often as possible. Good, good. Right. So, obviously, the firemen have to come to this building all the time and are, like, extremely frustrated with all of the, like, batshit assholery fire mistakes that happen in a college dorm. And at the same time, Styles winds up making friends with Laura, who runs a bakery near like on campus because he's like oh hey we're from the same town our families know each other whatever they get along great and she's like yeah my brother is a fireman who makes all of the baked goods that i serve here or whatever (laughs) and that derek and styles basically fall in love via text message knowing each other through laura without ever meeting unknowing that the whole time they are also meeting as like angry fireman and dude who lives in the building that keeps catching on fire (laughs) it's beautiful it's so funny and it's just thoroughly enjoyable nice good yeah i think that's everything i think that's it i think that does it for us guys thank you for tuning in um as ever we'll catch you on the flip side and if you miss us in our waxings on during the week you can catch us at twitter at at slash report um, or follow individually. Um, MK is what on Twitter? Moonclets. I'm often imprudent. Uh, or if you're bored enough, you can follow my author Twitter, which is Prudence Chen. Um, I think it does it for us this week. Um, any final thoughts? I really like tropes, but it's going to be a while before we can do this again because we're going to need like another 30 of them. So keep them coming. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. when we say goodbye which is stupid same fucking thing it's completely ridiculous (laughs) we don't even have the cameras on i know we're just idiots say some things uh i'm saying some things right now with my mouth and words